0: That's 800-880-7167 Paid for by Airtime Media
1: Live from San Francisco on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with your hosts, Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi Let's get it on! How's it going everybody?
2: Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific 3 Eastern, Sunday 3 Pacific 6 Eastern. This is going to be a packed show today. We got so much stuff to talk about. It's Wednesday, so we'll do previews of AEW and NXT. Carl Fredericks is joining us on the show in the final segment here. We got New Japan guests in the next three days. I got a big tournament coming up. Carl Fredericks, today. Jeff Cobb tomorrow, and on Friday, Rocky Romero returns to not only talk the tournament, but also, we'll wrap up talking Shopamania. That's coming up on Friday, so a lot of stuff to get into, but what is this? Columbus, Georgia police told TMZ Wednesday they will be looking into a claim Marty Janetti made on Facebook Wednesday that he killed a man... When he was 13 years old, in the now-deleted Facebook post, Gennetti claimed that as a 13-year-old, he was working at a bowling alley buying marijuana from a man who took him out to the back of the building to sexually assault him. Quote, that was the first time I made a man disappear, he said. They should have looked in the Chattahoochee River before continuing to ramble about a Jamaican woman he was in love with. Jannetty is 60, so the alleged incident would have happened at some point in 1973. The Columbus, Georgia Police Department told TMZ they have some current active homicide investigations as a priority, but, quote, the first step will be seeing if we have any missing persons or unidentified remains cases that match the limited information in the post. Jannetty has been known to make outlandish claims on Facebook frequently, including a 2017 post where he had to later clarify he did not want to have sex with a woman, quote, he once considered his daughter. The former WWF star was part of the Rocker tag team with Shawn Michaels, and over three separate runs in the company held the tag titles with Shawn Waltman won the Intercontinental title. I don't know what to make of any of this, but that's the story. I guess an investigation has begun. Back in the moment with more Wrestling Observer Live.
3: Sometimes our food is more than just food. It's an integral part of our community. So this year, Discover is giving $5 million to support Black-owned restaurants. To places like Rodney Scott's Barbecue in Charleston. Post Office Pies in Birmingham. Back in the Day Bakery in Savannah. And hundreds more places in your local community. All across the country. Learn how you can show your
0: support at Discover.com.
4: Between jobs, retiring, or just need health or life insurance, please visit myhealth-quotes.com or call 833-687-5261. Before you try to get a quote online, call us. We will provide you with the information most sites will not. We teach you exactly what life or health insurance plan you qualify for, how to use your plan, and maximize your benefits. We provide you with the information to make a knowledge-based decision to ensure selecting the right plan. myhealth-quotes.com to
1: schedule an appointment. Bro. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
2: Back here in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live, Mike Sempervivi, also WrestlingObserver.com. I don't want to talk a lot about the Marty Cinelli thing because we don't know anything except what I just read. But I, I will say that Marty Jannetty has done a lot of crazy things on social media. I think I think most of them have been complete BS. We can hope this one... What's going on over there, Mike? Holy smokes. Sorry, Sounds like an earthquake over there. Awesome. I'll, I'll mute you for a second. Do all your adjustments. We can hope that it's just some crazy social media post like he's done in the past. But interestingly enough, last night... There was a girl who disappeared when I was a senior in high school, and she was two years younger. I didn't know her, but this was 1993. She disappeared, and just this week, they charged the individual who they believe killed her. So this was 1993, 25 years ago or whatever. So, I mean, if something happened, I mean, it is not out of the realm of possibility that they could solve this crime. But as noted, I mean, he said a lot of crazy things, so we can only hope that it was just something goofy that he said on Facebook, and there's there's no truth to any of it. In a move that is surprising some in the sports media industry, Nick Khan, no relation, has been hired as WWE's new president and chief revenue officer, announced by the company on Wednesday morning. The 45-year-old Khan was the co-head of the TV division of Creative Artists Agency and was the driving force behind negotiating WWE's new TV deals in 2018. He reportedly is leaving that company on good terms. While there, he also negotiated deals for a slew of big-name sports broadcasters and talking heads in addition to organizations like like Top Rank Boxing, college sports southeastern conference he will report directly to vince mcmahon and is taking over the roles michelle wilson and george barrios held before they parted ways with wwe earlier this year mcmahon said nick is a seasoned media executive with a deep understanding of our business and a proven track record of generating significant value for sports and entertainment properties while representing wwe he was instrumental In transforming our business model by securing domestic media rights increases of 3.6 times over our previous agreements, his management style and personal demeanor are perfect for WWE's entrepreneurial culture. He will fit right in with our exceptional management team. Constantly started wondering if there were opportunities to do something, quote, bigger and better with WWE. While at Paul Levesque's 50th birthday party saying the family business-style atmosphere just felt right when asked about his plans were given the company's sliding TV ratings. Khan told Oran, We all have a lot of ideas in our head. It might be a little premature to share them in terms of where we are going to execute those. I hope he can help. I pray this guy can help. But at the end of the day, Vince is still in charge. So... I don't know how much of anything he knows about anything, but even if you know even if he knew everything about everything, you're still reporting to Vince McMahon. So I wish Nick Khan all the best.
6: It looks like that's the the first man that they've actually put into a position as they've hired three women over the last month to fill roles, including the VP and GM of Latin America, VP of Business and Legal Affairs, and then Uh, The CFO, Christina Salen, which has gotten the most attention uh, other than Nick Khan today. So uh, all of those spots, they seem to be filling. And Salen and Khan, I guess, have the positions that basically Wilson and Barrios did last time around. And we will probably be hearing them going forward a lot, I would assume, on these calls.
2: We also have the ratings notes from Monday. Hey, listen, I was wrong. I thought this show was going to do the new lowest rating of all time, but return of Shane McMahon, the tease of the Fight Club, it helped nominally. The return led to a stronger second hour than usual, brought viewership up 6% from last week's second lowest number of all time. Show averaged 1.71 million viewers and a 0.51 in the 18 to 49 demo. First hour was slightly ahead of last week, 1.71 versus 1.70 likely due to the last day hype of the McMahon edition and the promised debut. And boy, was that paid off of a new stable. Key was the second hour grew to 1.82 million viewers, but the show experienced the third hour drop to 1.61 million, which is really interesting because, I mean, presumably, the announcement of the return of Shane McMahon was what led to the first and second hours doing better. But then... The third hour that he was all over fell. All the Raw Underground stuff and everything. 1.61 million viewers. Although that is up from the record-breaking 1.49 million or whatever last week. Second hour hyped the new Raw Underground Fight Club. Uh, The hour also included Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, which was the best thing on the show. Nia Jax and Pat Buck, which was among the worst things on the show. Although that was a multi-segment tie. 24-7 title match with Tozawa, Benjamin, and R-Truth, which was also horrible. Raw Women's Champion Sasha versus Shayna, which wasn't very good. And the first underground segment. So I guess the first underground segment was in hour two. Yeah. So people watched it and didn't stick around for hour three. 18-49, they were number four, trailing 90-Day Fiance. And below-tech Mediterranean, as well as the NBA, show was number 22 for the night overall. Number four... Among non-news shows, so a couple of notes: 31% down from the same week last week overall; down 37% from last year, 18 to 49; down 51% from last year in 18 to 34. Women did grow in hour two, but they fell in hour three. Women 12 to 34 grew and grew again in hour three. So something women 12 to 34 really liked on this show. And men, 12 to 34 as well. And over 50 demos stayed even. So, you know, whatever you want to say about this goofy fight club, I mean, it did attract men and women, 12 to 34, which had been suffering greatly of late. So you know what that means, everybody. It's coming back next week. They thought it was great. And it proved in the ratings that they could draw younger viewers. So get ready for more Raw Underground. I.
6: Wouldn't it have proven the opposite if the third hour
2: collapsed? No, because the demos for men and women 18 to 49 grew in the third hour. Well, That's what they want. Their, their 12 to 34 numbers are uh-huh. historically low. So anything well, they can do to bring those up, they're going to do. Well, here's the thing as well, too. We don't have a judge on
6: last week's show, and this is where I thought you made your mistake making the decree that you did, and this is where people try to play getcha afterwards, is, yeah, you were wrong, but what happens on last week's show plays a lot into what's going to happen with this rating coming up this week, and if they retained any of those people. So there's a lot of people that I guess will be claiming victory over that show. You didn't win anything. You hot for one week, and I guess you got some eyeballs back on it as if that number is anything to celebrate or be happy about. But it started at about 9.58, and whatever demos are there, that's fine, but there was still a drop, and it's still not an indication that it makes people want to come back or it's really something that people are going to be interested in until next week. And we'll see then. That'll be a far better judge because if they start excited and the number starts really good, then I'll tend to believe it a little bit more. But, I, you know, again, what happens on one week does not tell the story of that week's TV. It's what happens afterwards.
2: Well, no, but it does to them. They look at last week and their third hour, the two demos that they're suffering in the most, 18-34, to those demos were up in the third hour, and they had an extra 120,000 viewers over last week in the third hour. I so guess, they're going to look the, at that, and they're going to celebrate, and they're going to do it again.
6: But you, you how do you celebrate a, a, an 18 to 34 woman's number that has dropped to what was it last week? I mean, I guess, okay, some people came back, but it's like. Man, I, I don't. There's nothing to celebrate. They have nothing to celebrate. They can feel a little bit better about something. The, the words celebration and ratings can't go together for them for a long, long time.
2: Well, I don't know what to tell you, dude. But this this was cause for celebration they moved those numbers up in the third hour. That's the numbers, everybody. Tonight it's AEW and NXT, and we'll give you the full cards for both of those shows after the break. Also, in the final segment of the show, Carl Fredericks is appearing on the show. Jeff Cobb tomorrow, Rocky Romero Friday. Back in a moment, Observer Live.
5: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now.
3: I don't even recognize myself anymore.
7: I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this, ever. Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment.
0: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. 426
1: 2301 You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
2: We're in the show Brian Alvarez here Wrestling Observer Live Mike Sempervivi also wrestlingobserver.com so here's the lineup for tonight. AW's announced Britt Baker is choosing Big Swole's opponent in a newly announced match. Tony Khan says Swole's suspension is lifted. If Swole wins, she will earn a shot at Baker in the future. She was suspended in storyline following the July 8th Dynamite for kidnapping Baker and leaving her in a dumpster on the show. Meanwhile, there were these Mexicans kidnapping everybody on NXT, and nobody cared. Literally nobody cared about these missing individuals. See that just leads to people getting poisoned and nobody cares, you know. We got John Moxley, Darby Allen for the AEW World Title with MJF getting the winner. At all out, Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder and Cody will face John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, FTR and the Young Bucks will face Mr. Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Five and Ten. Of the Dark Order, best friends versus Santana and Ortiz, and a debate between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy with a special guest moderator. For the NXT show, Keith Lee faces Cameron Grimes in a non title match. We have a North American title qualifying match Damian Priest, Oni Lorkin, and Ridge Holland. And by the way, I've had a lot of people emailing me about Ridge Holland. And it's all been positive. I think this guy has the potential to be the next big thing. Which is that's saying something. So we'll see tonight. And we've also got Imperium versus Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly for the tag team titles. Rhea Ripley, Dakota Kai, and a number one contenders match. Bronson Reed versus Shane Thorne. Now, I've heard a rumor that they're doing some sort of angle. That is going to take, what's his name? Uh, Dexter Loomis out of the TakeOver show. But I've seen nothing about this. So maybe it's something that's going to happen tonight on television. Or maybe there's nothing to it. I guess we'll see. But follow WWE on social media, I guess, for more. That's the lineups for tonight.
6: I had to do a double take when they announced Rich Holland last week. Because I didn't see that much NXT UK. So I'm thinking, who the hell is Rich Holland? And... It's the former rugby player Luke Menzies that they signed, and I remember when they signed him, they got him going that they were really big on him. And he's already, you know, in his thirties and everything, but he's a big guy, and he's a, you know, he's a a notable name coming over from the sports world. And like any notable name that comes over from you know the sports world that you want to hype up, change their name. It just it blows my mind that you would change the name of like a guy like that. That would have been like you know, changing Shayna Baszler's name. It just, it, these things make absolutely no sense to do. Absolutely none.
2: Parzeer says, Brian, isn't it a bit worrying that we had a McMahon on the show and it couldn't break two million? Last time we had Austin, he barely broke two and a half million. Dude, I thought they were going to do the lowest ever. So no, I was not expecting the return of a McMahon to bump them up. You know what it's going to take to bump them above two million? Nothing. Maybe they could do one of those... Oh, we're going to do a raw, you know, 26th anniversary show or something. And we're going to bring back all of these people from the past. I mean, maybe they break two million for that. You know, advertise Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker and Austin and maybe The Rock could show up. Yeah, you'll get above two million for one day and you'll go right back to where you were. Nothing's turning the show around for like something you could do for one day. It's going to take six months, eight months. A year or more to start turning the ship around. And you know how you start turning a ship around? You got to start turning the wheel. Guess what? They haven't even started turning the wheel. They're just still going forward doing the same thing. So no, the numbers aren't going to turn around. You got to start to turn the wheel first. They haven't even even that even started. Paul was trying to turn the wheel, and then they fired him. They started turning the wheel back the other way.
6: I'm sorry I don't know if Paul would have been able to do it either And I know he was trying He did so better way, but He did do better he, he at least had a plan and an idea And a, and a baseline involved in, in mind But again you see where that gets you it's, He can't do it
2: either though Nobody can
6: Nobody can Nobody can because Vince is there And unless you change the person at the top Who has got all the control And makes all the decisions What else can you do? What else can you do? You just have to try to suffer and and stumble along, and that's why I just, you know, I I know they think that they've accomplished something with that rating and what they did last week, but they thought they accomplished something and did something with that rating three weeks ago uh, or whenever it was that Bruce took over, and we'll see.
2: Listen, even Bruce would admit this. Although neither of them are going to be able to turn this ship around, I'd bet you dollars to donuts that of the two... Paul Heyman argued about direction with Vince way more than Bruce Pritchard is going to. He made some difference. This Bruce Pritchard show is just Vince through and through. That's all it is. It's just Vince doing crazy stuff and it's bad. This person here says, Any idea on who you think would even be part of this new faction? Well, they announced yesterday. What's the name of this? Retaliation or Redemption or... What's the name of this group? They actually gave it a name yesterday. I'm going to have to look it up. Disgusts me that I have to do this. (laughs) I mean, social media announced that the group was going to show up, and then social media announced the group's name. Like, this is the most social media-friendly group of writers I've ever seen. It's crazy. Retribution, all caps. Retribution, okay? So... When I saw the name Retribution, I thought, well, sounds to me like, you know, they fired a bunch of people during the pandemic and, you know, then they announced record breaking profits, the likes of which the company has never seen. I mean, maybe they're going to hire back five or six of those guys and they'll be Retribution. I don't know this. I mean, it's called Retribution. What does that mean? Well, they want Retribution for something. So that means they've been there before, right? You would think they were wronged in some sort of way. I mean, that's the whole roster for the most part, outside of like Randy Orton and Charlotte. But, I mean, it sounds to me like it's got to be some disgruntled, either former employees or or people that I guess haven't been on the show for a while. I mean, maybe you could call up some people from NXT, but what would NXT? what would NXT wrestlers need retribution on the main roster for? Like, they've been down there away from all of this. It could just be a stupid name they came up with that has nothing to do with anything. Unfortunately, as always, I look for clues in what they do, and it's always a mistake. But I keep doing it, because I'm a little crazy. Maybe it's Fandango
6: and and, uh, Tyler Breeze also under that. Maybe they want to get back on the main roster. Yeah, maybe it's
2: everyone that got sent back down. Finn? Finn? Who else? Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Who else has been sent back down? Hmm. Anybody? That's it. I don't know. It's quite a faction. (laughs) This person here says I'd like to see the new faction begin wearing suits and adopting a successful, classy look while on the show, much like the horsemen. Add Titus. Talk about their success and how they aren't with the current narrative. Listen, there's a lot more he's written here that involves Donald Trump, of all people, but I mean. (laughs) Is Drake Maverick in there too? uh, Listen. I love Titus O'Neil. I think he's a great guy. I, I actually think he does great promos, but he's he's not very good in the ring at this age. And more importantly, if you have a faction led by Titus O'Neil, the fans are gonna look at it and think it's a jobber faction, because that guy has been pushed as a jobber every time he's been returned. He's returned to television. So you either have Finn Balor leading this group, or somebody that's like a big name star. Or it's just another bunch of geeks that none of these fans are going to take seriously because they have been conditioned that a faction led by a geek is a bunch of geeks. And don't yell at me for this. It's not my fault. This is what they have trained you. They have trained their viewers. A new faction led by a geek is going to be a geek. And unfortunately, most of their, most of their roster members have been pushed as geeks.
6: No one thinks it's still Apollo and Ricochet and Cedric and Mustafa Oh, Lord. I mean, it could
2: be. It could be. But how seriously do you think – I mean, their diehards will like it, but your average viewer that has been conditioned to think that those guys are nothing but jobbers because that's how they've been pushed – a faction led by them? What's the difference? They were already like a three-man crew, and they would come out and lose all the time. So now they put on black outfits, and they throw Molotov cocktails at stuff, and now we're supposed to take them seriously? They have systemic problems that all of your goofy ideas aren't going to work because of the system you've created. they got to start over from scratch, and it ain't happening. All caps mid card. This person here says, imagine Hogan announcing the NWO on Twitter instead of coming out at Bash at the Beach. I mean, there's a million examples. A million.
6: I like how they all mirror,
2: they go back to WCW. (laughs) As if this is where WWE is at now. This person here says, WCW at its absolute worst was in the low two millions. Raw has not cracked two million in a long time. Raw Underground is the last thing the company needs to write the sinking ship. Listen, I've had a 1,000 people, and and Dave's one of them, talking about how, well, you can't do these comparisons because times have changed and television has changed, etc. And listen, obviously to a degree you're right, but at the end of the day, there are less loyal WWE viewers than there were loyal viewers of WCW at the very end. That's a disaster. Back in a moment with Carl Fredericks, Observer Live.
1: Get some game in store You're with me now We'll be again Other points in between And the cool, cool mornings Turn the days of swim or sink
7: Living right is easy
1: What's in store this week at your local Staples?
7: New ways to get the word out about your business. Staples
4: has all the podcast supplies you need to get the word out about your business, your pet project, or whatever else you have on your mind. And now, select podcast supplies are 20% off at Staples. Save 20% on select mics, desktop mic stands, tripods, and pop filters. So get the word out and save this week at Staples, where there's a whole lot more in store. And 32820 in-store only while supplies last.
2: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Now that we're getting back on the road, the stops we make seem more special than before. Stop to see a friend. Stop at your favorite store. Stop at the places you missed most. And to keep you going between those stops, there's Shell. Stopping to fill up with our best fuel ever. Save with the Fuel Rewards program. And to get snacks and essentials that can save you even more at the pump. That's just a few of the ways Shell helps you make the most of the stop you need to make. See full terms and conditions at fuelrewards.com.
1: We're listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back in the show, Brian
2: Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live, Uh, Mike Sempervivi, also WrestlingObserver.com. Very happy today to be joined by Carl Fredericks. Lots to talk about here today, New Japan, the Lions Break Collision series that just ended on New Japan World, the upcoming New Japan Strong Tournament. Carl, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for
2: having me. Yeah, I guess there's a lot to get into. Let's start with the yeah, a little bit, huh? Yes, Lions Break Collision. I actually just yeah. finished watching the the final episode a couple of days ago, and I'm not saying this just because you're here. I've talked about this on the air for a long time. I was so excited to watch your match with Jeff Cobb because I started oh, really? watching the tournament, and you know the first the first show, it's just like 30 minutes of wrestling. It is going to be over four weeks, and so you think, all right, we're just going to see some matches here. But yeah. you shot an angle with Jeff Cobb, and it was like the simplest angle in the world. But when it was over, as a viewer, you just want to see Jeff Cobb just put a beating on you, and it was so easy. <laughs> and I was so excited for the match, and the match delivered. It was a lot of fun. What are your memories of of the Lions Break Collision Tournament?
3: For me, it was it was a there was a lot. It was mixed emotions. It was I was coming off an injury. I separated my shoulder in January and then all of us were coming off this big break, you know, several months of not wrestling, no work. And then I was debuting at the same time. And so as opposed, for me, it was like just the nerves of, you know, going out and delivering. Cause like, I think the case was similar with everybody as it was with you, where they they saw the advertisement for the shows and they probably just assumed that it was just going to be, just some some new Japan shows, kind of like the other Lions break have been just kind of like exhibitions, you know. Um, but yeah, I just i i want I put a lot of pressure on myself to really go out there and deliver and be the you know this new this new me that that I've become over this last several months. so it was it was exciting, stressful, but it was exciting and and I enjoyed it
2: and actually the the match itself, I mean, you and Jeff Cobb. Have really been wrestling virtually your entire career. Like your, your some of your very first matches, you you worked with him, right?
3: Yeah, um, funny. Even actually, that very ring that we that we wrestled in for the Lions Break shows was the ring that I originally trained in in Reno, and uh, so we had sold it to the school here in L.A. And I mean, Jeff had actually helped you know train me a little bit off and on in my early days in that very ring, so. It was a it was a it was a pretty neat experience, you know. Thinking in the the scope of the whole, the grand scale of things.
6: What what was your path to get from the Indies in Nevada in California into the New Japan Dojo? Is it something that you had sought out from the time that you had started training and gotten in the business? the 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 idea to go to New Japan, or something that just came along during the process, and and you were steered that way.
3: It honestly just kind of, it just, it happened somewhat randomly. Um, At the time I was actually in, well, I guess the the hiring process was being signed by another company. And even then in the, probably the two months or so before I had gone to my tryout at the dojo with Shibata-san, I mean, I had been in front of every major company in the world at that point within just a very short amount of time. Uh, and not for the first time. but um I just happened so i was I was trained in Reno by the Reno scum, and I was working the West Coast and traveling. And I just happened to be in l a for four days, which is pretty rare for me. And it was the last the very last weekend that they were running these camps with uh, with Shabatsan and you know looking for looking for new guys, looking for young lions. And I snuck in that last few days. Uh, that last camp, I was, yeah, I, I snuck in and you know I got Shibata-san's green light like day one basically, and I I could see that, I could feel that, and it was just it was easy for me to you know just make that decision right then and there on the spot and go with New Japan.
2: So, when you say you like snuck in and you're rarely in L.A., I mean when you were when you were growing up and you decided that you wanted to be a wrestler, I mean. Was New Japan ever on the radar, or was it kind of you grew up a kid, you wanted to be in WWE, or I mean, you know, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, that... I'm
3: from. I mean, I'm from Nevada. You know, I'm from. I'm from the middle of nowhere, a uh, real small town. I grew up a a WCW fan when I was probably about six or seven years old, and then obviously grew up a WWE fan. Was bit, had knowledge of Japanese wrestling. Had you know, I was I liked it, but wasn't super. It was, I just never. You know, how does a kid from the middle of the desert, the middle of nowhere, get to Japan? You know, it was never. It was honestly, it was it was a goal of mine to wrestle in Japan, but I just, I never, yeah, I'd never. I honestly, maybe I'd say the say a week before I went to that tryout. Right, I have a contract in my pocket, essentially. Um, if you'd have told me that I was going to end up in Japan, then I would you crazy or, or uh, you know just. Just, it was never really a possibility in my head, but the moment I stepped in the dojo and, you know, and at met Shibata-san and I, I trained with the guys who are now, you know, my roommates and my best friends, and just every, everything about that experience was different than any other training facility I've been to. And it, it was, it was harder. It was, it was a horrible three days, but I loved every second of it. And it was everything that I was looking for in pro wrestling. So I'm, I'm ecstatic the way it turned out. Um, it couldn't it obviously couldn't have happened any better for me, really. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the plan.
2: Now, well, I guess the other question in terms of training is, I mean this this has been brought up a million times. If you look <laughs> at the guys that Shibata has trained, they're great. And I don't want to bury anybody else, but you can look at other systems and it's like this person's been in this system for like eight years and they're still not very good. Like, what's going on here? So I guess you know we can't ask you about any other system. I guess we could ask you about your early training a little bit, but the main question is why is this so different? What does Shibata do? Tell us about the training and why he turns out such great wrestlers.
3: It's it's as a coach he's he's put every what I imagine obviously I never knew him as an active wrestler, but he just works like a psychopath, man. Like he's he's 24 seven with us and with wrestling and that's it. He, he doesn't turn it off. So when we're, you know, the, when we're fortunate enough to have him here in the States, we're, we're living with a legend We're you know, every single day we're spending, you know, just about every second with him. So we're, we're studying at home and then when we're in the dojo for, you know, six hours or so six days a week with that guy, I mean, I don't, if you can't get better doing that, then I don't know. I don't think I don't really think anybody can help you
2: but well, let me let me ask this question then. So, I mean, do you do shoot style training as well as professional wrestling training? I mean, when you get in there at the beginning, is it we're gonna work on the structure of a match, basic punches, basic kicks, basic wrestling, no big moves. I mean, you see the black trunks and black boots of the young lions, and that's kind of like, the gimmick but i mean is that really also what you're doing inside the training facility
3: i don't exactly know how things have been in japan obviously cuz i you know my i'm here in la at the dojo but um with, with us it was it was everything we've been amateur wrestling um that that was i mean that was like the major foundation there was, it was like several months uh amateur wrestling jiu jitsu grappling learning you know learn, learning how to tap each other out and, you know, beat each other up that way. And then, like I, I stated in the in the interview with Kevin Kelly, I, I wanted to up my offense and my strike. So I started training kickboxing with Shibata-san, you know, he's got his MMA experience and uh, he was training me as if I was going to fight, you know, so it's just, it's just this level of care. I think that he takes with everything that every, every single detail is trained in practice the same way it would be as if we were only doing that discipline, if that makes sense.
2: So basically you're you're training to really wrestle and really fight first, and then they teach you how to not kill each other and do professional wrestling.
3: I think the big, like, the big, especially after having been, you know, go, going through this and killing myself for the last two years, I think for me the biggest picture I would like to paint of what we do here. In the la dojo and and at new japan is that we're we're, we're real professional athletes you know i'm it, you can't convince me that i'm not a professional fighter to some degree you know what i mean and i think it's also just out of respect for each discipline whether it be pro wrestling or whether it be amateur wrestling grappling jujitsu. it's i think it's more so just treating each of those disciplines with enough respect to, to learn it to, you know, enough somewhat to have a respect for it.
6: Mentally, it sounds like you're the type of guy that new Japan has always historically traditionally loved. And it sounds like that you have certainly made the right decision for you but having that piece of paper in your pocket from that other company, did you have anybody that tried to stop you or talk to you and go, wait a second, you have this opportunity right here for whatever this company was? Uh, are you taking too much of a risk by, by going into New Japan? Did you have anybody that tried to steer you away from that and keep you away from Japan and on whatever path that you were originally on?
3: Um. I mean, the, so I mean, I, I did the business. Obviously, I made a phone call, and I, you know, I, I did things uh, right, and I was, you know, I was somewhat, you know, I was I was asked to to reconsider, I would say, um, but at that point, you know, I had made my mind up, and um, you know, they wished me well. They were great to me throughout that whole process. So there's no, no bad blood or anything on that end. But for me, especially at the time, you know, because I had been. I was, I mean, I had that opportunity waiting for, uh, I think a year at least, just about a year, so I was just kind of sitting around waiting, um, and I just felt like it was it was time to go, you know, it was time to make a move, and it was it was real easy for me. Like I said, I'd been in front of everybody, aside from Japan, but I'd been in front of everybody more than once, and on the spot, I knew that I was Shibata's guy, so my gut said this was it and so far i'd, I'd like to think that things, things have gone pretty well so i'm very happy
2: with my decision well starting this coming friday we've got the new japan strong tournament eight men we've got david finley chase owens the first round brody king versus tamatanga jeff cobb versus Tongaloa, and carl fredericks you'll be facing kenta wow. that's quite a first round match any really? thoughts on yeah. on this first match
1: uh
3: i mean obviously i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie and act like there
2: isn't a big part of me
3: that's not nervous uh you know it's it's my first it's the first new japan cup usa it's my first new japan cup of any kind um there's bad blood here (laughs) and you know there's there's just it's it's there's a lot loaded it's a heavy match for me but at the same time um Man, I just I just turned thirty. I'm in the New Japan Cup. I'm wrestling. Camp. I'm fighting a legend. Um, I feel good. You know, I'm excited. It's. It's. I, I. really feel like, you know, we have this new show as well, and everything, that that we're doing and everything that we're going to do, and just how I feel personally. About just being ready to go, go out there, and fight my heart out. You know, so I'm nervous, but. I think that people are going to be surprised at the one, just how great these shows are going to be. But um, I think that I'm really going to show even more toughness than I did with Jeff Cobb.
2: Well, very quickly. I, think, I mean, that, would you would you say that after training for three years with Shabada, it can't be that bad with Kenta, or can it? Wait till he kicks you. I'm sure Shabbat I mean, has kicked the hell out of him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, end of the day, just I mean, I gotta, I gotta know that this is one of the greatest of all time. You know, I'm one of the toughest strikers in the history of pro wrestling, and I know, I know his style. I know, I, I know what to expect. I've been in the ring with him. i obviously a singles aspect is much different than any type of tag, but I know what to expect. And I mean, we'll hold that thought it, right
2: there. We'll talk about this a little more after the break. Observer Live. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me.
1: I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care.
2: All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a
3: difference, especially at times that matter most.
5: Hey. Want to drink?
3: No thanks, I'm good.
1: So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead.
2: Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan.
1: Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations.
7: Thank you for talking.
5: For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit
0: underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We are the Debt Destroyer Network.
7: Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
2: Back in the show, Brian Elvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Stubber, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Carl Fredericks here. The New Japan USA Cup 2020, New Japan Strong, debuting this Friday night. New Japan World, NJPWWorld.com. All of these shows are going to be up at 10 Eastern every Friday. So if you enjoy the Lions Break Collision, you got another series to look forward to, New Japan Cup Carl Fredericks versus Kenta, Jeff Cobb versus Tangaloa, David Finley versus Chase Owens, Brody King versus Tamatanga in a tournament. And Carl, let's get some plugs out for the show, your social media, whatever you want to get out there.
3: Uh, right now, I'm actually only on Instagram, so it's just Carl Fredericks, NJPW. Uh, spell it with a K, you'll get there a lot faster. Um, yeah, just make sure you guys, I'm, I'm telling you, man, um, New Japan, you know, NJPW is strong. I, I really believe that. This is going to be something that is going to be huge for us in the long run and much like the Lions Break shows, uh, a lot quicker than we've all assumed, I think. And um, I have the biggest opportunity in my career this Friday, so I'm looking forward to it.
2: I guess very quickly, I mean, would you say that if you loved Lions Break Collision, these shows are better?
3: It's only going to get better from here. Well, there you go. Bigger and better absolutely
2: well listen i want to thank you so much for doing the show today really appreciate it we got new japan guests all week everybody tomorrow jeff cobb is going to be on the show we'll talk about him pounding on carl fredericks we got rocky romero on friday it's going to be a lot of fun thanks mike as always callers and listeners everybody in the studio we'll talk to you again next time wrestling observer live